Define irony. Bunch of idiots dancing on a plane to a song made famous by a band that died in a plane crash. Listeners, welcome to episode 23 of Not a Bomb Podcast. I am your host, Troy, and with me always is Brad. Brad, how you doing? Week three of Turkey Month. I know, we are knee-deep in it, and now we are jo- we are flying the friendly skies of Con Air today, Troy. Yes, um, we, we kicked off the month with a doozy, Miami Connection, so action, biker, ninja, gang-related. Then went to the man-child comedy wrestling styles of Ready to Rumble. And this week is your pick. Obviously, it's an odd number. So you decided to go back to the uh, excuse me action genre and went with a Nick Cage classic from 1997. I did. Huh. I, and now, I can already hear people say, Con Air's not rated that bad and it did really well. Um, so how is it so good it's bad? This is one of the dumbest movies you'll ever see, right, yeah. Joy? Okay. We're, we're going to get to the <laughs> we're yeah. going to get to this one. So, um, the whole premise of of the podcast was to pick movies that aren't championed, um, that either either fall into the category of they were just a box office bomb, nobody went to see them, or critically, um, everybody's just raking them through the coals. So this one's kind of an odd one. Um, you're going to get into it in a little bit when we talk about the box office, but. It's weird. This one critically, I think, didn't do so hot, but everybody does gravitate to a couple of the people in the film and say that because of them, it makes it a fun watch. Yeah, yeah. But this month specifically, um, we're trying to pick out films that are so bad they're good. And this one, I don't know if you call this a cheat day, um, because <laughs> again, it's one of the dumbest movies you'll ever see in your entire life. So I, I think so, um, and, and we're going to get into that in a little bit. But hey, Brad, we we got some feedback from last week's show. You you want to read that, or do you want me to? Oh, you do it. I, I did bring my phone with me. So. Okay, no problem. So um, our good friend Kevin, uh, who has been a listener from day one. Um, Thank and, you, Kevin. Yes. And, and just a side note real quick. Um, we've talked about Kevin before. I've known him for a long time, um, but he is in the military. And, and um, this last week, everybody's sep- you know, celebrated Veterans Day. So a big shout out to Kevin, a big shout out to anybody who has served. Um, we are very grateful for everything that you have done um, and continue to do for the safety of all of us. Um, you're, better, you're better than me. Yes, uh, <laughs> way better than both of us. So you know how we talked about man childs last week? That would be me. I'm a man child. Yeah, and and I know a lot of people who um, are currently in the military or who have served. And I'm telling you, when when you talk about their their tenacity, their focus, just general <laughs> being as a person, 
they are leaps and bounds ahead of both of us. So um, thank you to everybody. So, but real quick, Kevin sent in an email um, in reference to last week's podcast. He actually labeled the, the subject matter of the email as Sal Bandini, which is a character from Ready to Rumble. So it says, hey, Brad and Troy, I just wanted to let you know that there are more people out there who like Ready to Rumble. Did you hear that, Brad? People mm -hmm. like Ready to Rumble. So he says, I was out with some friends last night, and out of the blue, I jumped up and said, Sal Bandini, want to wrestle? And two people said they love Ready to Rumble. Then someone else started just spouting off lines from the movie. Love the show, Kevin. Well, there you have it, Brad. There's more than just a couple, more than just Alex and I enjoy that movie. Thank you for your service, uh, Kevin, but boy, that's a bad take. <laughs> oh my god kevin do not listen but to more Brad. importantly thank you for your service yes thank you for your service and that is the appropriate take and i'm happy um that you like the episode and i'm even more excited that you like ready to rumble so yeah troy also yes tell me about that big brick you got this week oh yeah um thanks to you no less so this was a big week from a technology standpoint so it was the launch of um xbox new console as well as the playstation so i ended up um thanks to you, getting my hands on a big um, black box. <laughs> I mean, it, it looks like a oversized brick. It's a big monolith. Yeah, um, the new Xbox. Um, and I think you got one as well, correct? I did. You know, and I was telling my wife, I said, you know, I, for like the past three weeks, I've been really excited for the release. And I was like explaining it to her just like, you know, this year has been so rough. I mean, it's had some high points. Like I had a daughter that was born and I had an anniversary that was just a few, like last week. But for the most part, this this year has been kind of rough. Yes. So having something really dumb, uh, a piece of technology to look forward to, that's a new toy, uh, really kind of helps. And it just kind of really, you know, made, made something, made it nice to look forward to something. So uh, to finally get it and it kind of being pretty awesome also helped too. So, um, yeah, I... I was able to pre-order two and, you know, I'm not one of these people who is going to scalp it and, and make money. I'd rather pass it along to somebody else. So I reached out to you and said, Hey, I was able to pre-order two and I don't, obviously don't want two, but, uh, and you, uh, you jumped on it. So I'm glad, you know, I could help you out. And yeah, I mean, honestly, seeing both of them come out, um, I, I am one of the fans that when it comes to anything technology, especially in the home theater department, I'm going to jump all over it. This one, I don't think I was too excited about, and and to be quite honest, um, I, I don't know. There, there was nothing that was just getting me so hyped about, oh, I have to have the new system to play the latest game. But I got to tell you, um, hooking this sucker up in comparison to, to the older Xbox, oh my gosh, it's night and day. I, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun with it. And I like the fact that you, I think this is the first time I've seen this, um, at least in, in the consoles, where right out of the gate, I had a bunch of new games. So on the Absolutely. Xbox, you could play Gears 5, um, Borderlands 3, stuff like that, by just putting the game in and downloading the, you know, the latest update for it, and you're getting 60 frames per second. The thing just runs so smooth. The solid-state drive um, is amazing on it. Uh, I, I, it's one of the best purchases. And, and like you said, it's been a crappy year. Most of our travel plans, if not all our travel plans, got canceled, so... It was kind of nice to uh, spend a little money, and and me and the family have been playing that sucker all week. So yeah, it's been it's I've, been fun. I took off a lot of work last week just because because I was like I haven't had a vacation, so I'm just gonna 
have a vacation for this. So, um, are you going to pick anyway. up a PS five? No, not right now. Um, I don't, you know, Xbox is kind of my primary, um, you know, maybe down the road when the price comes down a little bit, honestly, I will probably get an S at some point in time and put it in the basement just for, you know, have a second one. Um, cause I, you know, I, I don't think spending another $500 makes a whole lot of sense, but you know, 300 for one and eventually like my kids will start playing. So like letting them kind of use that one. Um, so I think, yeah, definitely buy a second, the S, um, at some point in time. I, I was amazed. It, it, I feel like they did the Apple move where as soon as you hooked it up and the interface came up, it was something I'm familiar with. And, um, it, it, I really didn't know the difference until you take a step back and go, as soon as you turn the thing on the home screens there, um, as soon as you put a game in, I mean, there's not much wait time. So that, that solid state drive, um, technology, I mean, I have it in my computer and I really liked it, but I didn't know I needed it in the home console until now you get it. So, yeah, I, uh, I have the old Xbox series X or the Xbox one X, sorry. The naming convention is a little bit, the one X in my office, and I had to, you know, kind of get some stuff off of there real quick the other day. And it was like really slow. And I'm like, boy, I can't even, I already like one weekend, I can't go back. So, <laughs> well, I, so I was going to ask you this, um, this week and, and I was like, no, nah, I'll save it for the show. You, you and I love our video games as much as we love our movies. So, um, what is the oldest system that you own? Like you have on hand still have not like what's the oldest system that you ever bought? Like. Which one do you still have? What's your oldest system? I, I actually um, am going through one of my hobbies is actually collecting old Super Nintendo games. I have a Super Nintendo. I have like one that's completely like brand new. Um, and then I have a modded one that you can kind of use for the output HDMI. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have a ton of Super Nintendo stuff. So I, you know, I'm, I'm in the works of getting a full collection of Super Nintendo games. It's going to, you know, take a long time and a lot of money, but you know, that's kind of my my lofty goal over the next 10 to 15 years is to amass the the whole collection of Super Nintendo games. So I have Super Nintendo would be my oldest. Um I I had that NES Mini, but I don't have an original uh NES oh, Nintendo? just okay. lying around. Yeah. So, what's yours? Um it's the original Atari. Oh wow, the twenty six hundred. Yes. Okay. Well, and I I can't remember which came the Pac, first. The the Pac Man. The Pac Man edition. Christ. But I also <laughs> yeah I also have like a uh, Commodore VIC twenty. So that was the keyboard with the tape deck, and you had to like program your own games. Oh. But, but what's yeah. funny? The other thing that's coming out this month, and I totally forgot that um, I backed it like two years ago. But Atari is coming out with a new console this month. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so um, that should be here in a couple of weeks. I just got notification that it's getting ready to ship. So I'm curious to go back and uh, I, I, it doesn't have any of the power or um, anything that you know the Xbox or, or PlayStation Five has, but it's supposed to be a, sort of an interesting concept where it it's almost um, how do I say it? Just I, I mean it's gonna it's gonna play not probably the the games that are on Xbox um, the the what do we call it now? The one X or, uh, the, I mean, I guess they're just going to call it Xbox now going forward. So it's just the series, the series. series is Okay. The yeah. Series-es. I mean, it's, it's not going to have that kind of graphics or anything to it, but it's going to, you know, it's going to have, 
I don't know. It's it's probably going to be comparable to Nintendo's, you know, uh, Switch or something of that nature. So I'm I'm excited because I I still love all those old classic games, um, even Super Nintendo, etc. So I'm kind of like the, you. The mock-up for the Atari Hotel that they're doing, like I think it's in Vegas. No, I need to look. You need that to look up. at it. It's very cyberpunky. So yeah, look that up. Cool. Um, wow. Uh, I feel like <laughs> this just became some video game. <laughs> podcast but no it was a, it was a good it was week, a big we had, week yeah, yeah we, we, had, we had that we had veterans day um gosh but you know the reason why we're here is to Ooh, talk this about ra- oh yes. Troy, yeah this movie kind of wraps into veterans day so sort of cameron poe is a he's honorably discharged from the army rangers uh, that's Boom. true nick, nick cage right his character marine right he's a ranger ranger army ranger he's okay. an army, army ranger army ranger okay well, don't uh, you remember the beginning of the movie where it's like, hey, here's a five minute like love fest to the Army Rangers. Well, and is that Powers Booth did the voiceover? Yeah. OK, well, dude, I, before we talk about Con Air. So this is interesting. You pick this one. And when you talk about a month um, that is devoted to turkeys or, or films that are so bad that they're good. My knee jerk reaction was, well, why wouldn't you throw a Nicolas Cage film in there? Right. So um, I, I figured like the best place to start is, I mean, Nick Cage. What's your take on this? Uh, and, and I got to tell you, he has a prolific career. Um, but what, what's your take on him? Did you pick this because you're a Nick Cage fan or simply because you like Con Air? I like Con Air. I am not anything Nick Cage past. Oh, boy. Maybe. 99 like i will defend eight millimeter i don't think it's a great movie (laughs) but i like it a lot uh coming out strong on that one yeah i think anything you know it even like mandy like everyone loves mandy and i just don't get it i don't get the love for it um and then anything where he's direct to dvd or direct to streaming i'm out um but i will take anything from raising arizona to eight millimeter um any day of the week. Yeah. I, so it's funny when you pick. You want to give me City of Angels? I'll take City of Angels. <laughs> wow. Yes. He, he's been in everything. I mean, if you think about it, name another actor that has done horror, comedy, action, drama, um, art films, you know, independent art films, et cetera. I, I feel like he has tried his hand at every particular uh, animated films. He, he did Teen Titans Go as the voice of Superman, right? Yeah. Um, Oh, he was also a, probably, you know, Spider-Man. Actually, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse where he's Spider-Man Spider Noir. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's pretty fantastic. Yeah. But I mean, I, he taught me. Nicholas Cage taught me the ABCs. Vampire's Kiss, he taught me the ABCs. Oh so. so that's funny you bring that. So I'm, I'm, the idea was, hey, let's, let's talk about what is the best and worst of Nick Cage. And what's funny is all week I've been talking about Nicholas Cage. And I, I don't think I knew this or maybe I just wasn't paying attention. But I never realized how much my wife doesn't like Nick Cage um, because I've been trying to like watch more Nick Cage films. And every time I'd offer something up, she's like, I'm not interested in that whatsoever. It has Nicolas Cage. Uh, even today, I'm, I'm showing her, hey, let's watch Mom and Dad. I haven't seen it. Nope, not interested. Nick Cage is in it. So um, learn something new this week uh, yeah, that's ab- a, about her that's hatred. That's an odd of her. take. And, and I kept bugging her in the grocery store. What is it about Nick Cage? I don't know. 
don't don't like him just couldn't put her finger on it but just anything nick cage but you go back and look at his filmography i i know he was in i think fast times Ridgemont high i mean he's a coppola i, I think you know hasn't uh has a familiar familial relationship with the movies yes uh but i i really didn't kind of know who he was until i think it was peggy sue got married and raising arizona when he started kind of coming out but you look at the stuff from mid 80s raising arizona moonstruck you talk about vampire's kiss which i remember seeing it i don't think it's a good movie but i think he's good in it he's off the rail like yeah. that's the first glimpse you get of like wow this guy is gonna be insane yeah um and then i really took notice of him in in 1990 when he did wild at heart with laura dern which was the the david lynch film yeah david lynch yep um fire he so he did a top gun ripoff that year firebirds with tommy lee jones which just imagine top gun with um helicopters that that's what it is okay um honeymoon in vegas i mean he he did his comedies it can happen to you etc have you seen red rock west yeah i'm not okay so that's no. 1993 so i know you and i are big um film noir fans go catch that one it's nick cage noir it's, it's fantastic but then guarding test in 94 I, I feel like eight late 80s all the way to early 90s is nick cage prime because you get Guarding Tess in 94, which I think is um, an underrated film. The the year that he won a ca- uh, Academy Award for Best Actor for Leaving Las Vegas, he also did somewhat of another um, thriller, noir, Kiss of Death with David Caruso. Yep, I've seen and, that. And he plays the bad guy. He's, he's, uh, he's really good in that. I think that's another underrated one. And then you get into this Nick Cage, the action star. The Holy Trinity, if you will. The Holy Trinity, The Rock in 96, Con Air in 97, and Face Off in 97. We'll talk about the release of Con Air and Face Off in a minute. Um, the Rock, are you a fan of that one? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think Stanley Goodspeed all terrible. the way. That one is terrible. It's terrible. It's, I, I, I love it. Sean love Connery it. couldn't save that. Ed, Ed Harris couldn't save that film. Nope, it's terrible. Okay. <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm just speaking... When you okay. get to the car chase scene in San Francisco and then you get the, well, I'm going to push, you know, old women and people in wheelchair. I mean, it's is that so Michael Bay? Is that Michael, Bay's Michael best Bay. No. Is that his best movie? His best movie? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'd watch Bad Boys 1, 2, and 3 over The Rock any day. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I just, I found The Rock not so good. But um, Bringing Out the Dead, he worked in Scorsese, with Scorsese in 99. Uh, I he mean, did, he's worked with a lot of, like, Top tier directors. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you're in the business for that long, you are, of course. I mean, you're going to stumble across a great director. Yeah. Adaptation in 2002. He gets nominated again um, for Best Actor. I think Chris Cooper won that year for supporting. And then um, National Treasure in 2004. So what's funny is I'm going through this filmography. In 2004, National Treasure, I think, kicks it off. So I, I just realized from 2003 to 2006... I didn't see any of Nick Cage's movies in here. Match Tech Man. I've never seen National Treasure 1 or 2. You haven't? No. Uh, it just, Have you never watched cable TV before? I, I know, but every time <laughs> I see National Treasure come on, I just I look at that and I go, it's not for me. It should be because I love Indiana Jones films and it looks like an Indiana Jones clone. But it's Yeah, it's his black sheep younger brother. Yeah, I mean, but, I'm yeah. looking at it. I'm, adaptation in 2002, and I don't think I caught another Nick Cage film until 2007 when he did Ghost Rider which was his foray into, you know, comic books. 
Kick Ass in 2010. He did. Um, he's good in that. Okay. Yeah. He's good in that. Season of the Witch in 2011 and Drive Angry in 2011. I I kind of like those two to a certain degree. I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and rep and say they're fantastic. They're just if National Treasures on and Drive Angry. I will is watch. On the, I Drive Angry. I watch Drive Angry even hundred, though I haven't yeah. seen you know. Um, then the sequel to Ghost Rider, Spirit of Vengeance, which is infinitely better than the first one, I think. Um, is that the one where he pees fire to see pee fire? Yeah, it's done one? by the directors. He did Crank. So Crank, if you like yeah. that style of film. Um, and then I don't think I watched a Nick Cage film from 2012 to 2017. He had 18 movies come out during that time period. This guy is always working, man, paying the bills. I will say I saw that movie Outcast that he did with uh, Hayden Christensen. Hayden Christensen. How was it? Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. That movie. Real bad. Was Real that, bad, but it's almost worth it. Was that a Chinese co-production or something like that? Uh, I don't know. I think – are they – no. I don't know. I thought they were Crusaders, but that doesn't sound right. I think they're – want to be samurais in that movie maybe or something oh, like yeah, that. It's weird. Well, and so what's funny is the last couple of years I have seen – you talked about Mandy in 2018. I feel like that's when Nick Cage came back on the scene. He hadn't had a lot of stuff playing the theaters. Uh, with him in a star, but 2018, he gets a lot of notoriety for this. And then Color Out of Space in 2019, which is the last film I saw. And today, I, I, I just had an interesting... Because here's the thing with Nick Cage. You put Nick Cage in a film, and you talk about Vampire's Kiss, you get like an actor who is a bit Looney Tunes, right? I mean, that's his shtick for the most part, wouldn't you say? Yeah, he's more Animaniac, I think. Animaniac, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Versus Looney Tunes, okay. I'll give you that. Yeah. Um. So I thought it'd be interesting because the the movie that made me kind of go, oh, Nick Cage was Wild at Heart from 1990, because that's when he's he he sings a couple of Elvis songs in there. He's a fantastic singer. On top of that, and that movie is pure David Lynch. So I thought, well, I'm, I want to watch that, and you know, that's Nick Cage in the 90s, right at the beginning of the 90s. And I, I wanted to watch something recent that um, I hadn't seen before. So I watched Mom and Dad from 2017. So that's 17 years between, <laughs> you know, doing a David Lynch film where he is really out there. Uh, hey, and, buddy, tr- try that math one more time. Uh, more than that, right? <laughs> it's it's yeah. 27 years. 27 years, not 17. Okay, you're right. But see, that's why I married a math teacher because she could do all the math and I can just, you know talk about jackie chan movies that's what i'm here for buddy thank you um 27 years yeah so he he comes on the scene between vampires kiss and just has this knack for these really eccentric weird characters and i i've seen mandy i've seen color out of space um and mom and dad and and i kind of wanted to look at something back to back and and i gotta say um I think there's a huge difference between what he was delivering in the beginning of his career versus what he's doing now. Like, I feel like he's phoning it in a little bit. Well, yeah. Cause didn't he, I mean, he's notoriously got into a lot of tax trouble, needed to do a lot of work to pay off some tax bills to avoid going to prison. Yeah. He's made over like a um, hundred movies or something. Yeah. So. so he, you know, is just kind of collecting a paycheck uh, because he still does have this kind of aura about him where, People will just go see a Nicolas Cage movie because maybe there's one or two scenes where he goes off the rails and it's worth it for him. Um, I am not one of those people. Um, but even Nicolas Cage in 2020, 2019, going off the rails, 
is not Nicolas Cage, 1990 Wild at Heart, or um, Kiss of Death, 1995. I mean, when he plays that gangster, I mean, he's menacing, he's quirky, he's, he's so good in that film. Yeah, but I mean, even like, <clears throat> I didn't really love Mandy, but I thought Nicolas Cage was really, really good in it. Um, so he still has these performances in him. Um, I just don't know what kind of, you know, presses his buttons, if you will. Like, sure. Whether or not he's going to try or not. Uh, yeah, of I mean, course, you know, he's John good. Cusack is the same way. Like you see, like he and Nicolas Cage seem like they have found this niche. Like they're straight to streaming people now. Right. And it's just really weird. Yeah. Mandy, I had a chance to see at the Parkway, which is like my favorite theater in Baltimore. It's, it's the oldest theater. It's gorgeous. Um, and, and that film, I think, is good. Nicolas Cage is the best thing about that film. I don't understand all the love for it. To be okay, good. quite honest, I, I'm right there too. Like i I thought it was okay, like, but yeah. I wasn't like completely blown away by it. No, I, I don't think it like reinvented art house cinema or, or or something of that nature. But you know, there's there's that sequence of him um, where he's drinking the vodka. It, it's fantastic. It's, it's pure, you know, Nicolas Cage. But again, there's something about it, and I can't necessarily put my finger on it. There's something about Nick Cage being eccentric or breaking down or having that scene now that seems less authentic than what it was in the beginning. Um, and I don't know if it's because it's been around for 27 years, not 17, um, or it's just, you know, lost its charm or something. But, you know, there are adaptations, a great example. I mean, he plays twins in that, and it's just a fantastic performance. You can totally understand. Leaving Las Vegas is so heartbreaking, and he's so good in that. Um, and... I just wish he would get more of those parts now versus the direct-to-video action, horror, what, whatever he's doing. Although, I'll say this, uh, Mom and Dad, I actually found surprisingly good. It was, it was pretty dark. And there's that, a was couple, filmed, that was filmed here locally. Uh, yeah, our good friend Charlie, wasn't that in his neighborhood or something? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that, that's crazy. But yeah, there, there's a couple of scenes in there that are, are what feels like classic Nick Cage when he's having a breakdown him and someone Blair in, in the basement he just like totally demolishes his pool table and he's talking about getting old and it's and that is the Nick Cage uh, that I really appreciate more so than the stuff that he did in Mandy and color out of space give me Castro Troy any day of the week do what give me Castro Troy any day of the week give me face off <laughs> give me face off um and, and that's in another in hindsight we should have probably done face off no no face you can't <laughs> you can't put face off on a podcast called not a bomb it's, everybody's gonna go duh it's not a bomb i know it's john know. Woo. It's fantastic yes yes so i i gotta ask you um from his filmography nick cage what's your favorite nick cage film uh i i guess it's got to be face off if we were like you know if i had to if i just had to say one like right off the bat like give me face off because I think that gives you all the Nick cage that you can get. Cause you know, he's essentially paying, playing two different people in that movie. Mm -hmm. Um, and one is like kind of a little bit more subdued and then the other one is completely off the rails. So, um, you know, a dream of mine was, you know, to see Nick cage and John Woo work together. And in 1997, it came together. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, give me face off any day of the week. I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I would agree with you on the action movies. Face Off is probably the best one he's done. Oh, by far. It's yeah. not even close. Yeah. I, I, I would say my favorite, if, if I were thinking Nicolas Cage, I, I got to go back to Wild at Heart. 
I mean, watching it again today, it it is not a film I would recommend to everybody. Um, I mean, if you want to see a lot of Laura Dern, it's all there through the entire film. It's pure David Lynch. But I think what is fascinating about that film is as weird as it is, it's it's David Lynch's take on The Wizard of Oz, more or less. I mean, it, it has that um, motif going through the whole thing. But Nick Cage just grounds the whole film. Like, his performance grounds it. And and I think it's so good. That's, so ins- I, that's an insane sentence to say. It is. And, and that's where it works for me. Because David Lynch, his film is just... Wild at Heart is probably... I don't know. I mean, we could talk about Lynch quite a bit on Not a Bomb. Because, you know, there... He, surprisingly he has a lot of successful films but he has a lot of films that are considered misses but the thing with david lynch is you put nick cage in there and he is a bit out there uh, from his character sailor but um his relationship with you know laura dern's character grounds the whole film and, and it adds this believability to it and the fact nick cage can sing really well Elvis songs was was still surprising after 27 years did you ever see that documentary um about um the Superman film? Yes, yes. No, is it good? It's really, really good. And seeing what they would have come up with, because um, that was going to be Tim Burton's Superman. Mm-hmm. Um, and for people that don't know, Nicolas Cage is going to be Superman. And he is a avid fan of Superman. Has I think his son is like named after his name, like Kal-El or something like that. Um yeah, I, I, me- I remember I- all the stories of him spending a lot of money on Superman comics to the point that yeah. got him in trouble financially, too. Yeah, yeah. But that documentary is really, really good. If you can find it, um, hunt it down and watch it. It's 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 interesting. The suit they were going to have him wear was, like, kind of alive. So it was before the Green Lantern, like, CGI suit. So it, like, lit up and did all this stuff. It was, it was interesting. It was going to be an interesting take. So... I don't know if Superman could have ever come back from that movie because it was going to be insane. Um, so, do do you have a least favorite Nicolas Cage film? Now, my knee jerk oh. reaction was if 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 you start researching this, everybody would point to the Wicker Man remake um, because all all I would see is this. I've never seen it. Uh, the sequence about him and the bees. I, I want to yeah. see it, but um, he has a hundred and some. When I look at his list of films, I'm shocked that I haven't seen like 50% of them. But again, when I look at the years and go, wow, 18 films between this and this, I never see it. I, one that's on my radar and I own it because everybody talks about is Matchstick Men. I think um, he did that with Sam Rockwell. That's actually not a bad movie. Yeah, and everybody raves about that one. And that's one that's on my to watch list. But uh, of the films that you have seen, do you do you have a Outcast. film? Outcast is the Outcast? worst. Outcast? Okay. Yes. Um, oh, wait. He also did that movie, Knowing. Maybe is it next? Oh, Knowing. Next, yeah. Next, and he did Next and Knowing. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. I don't. I can't tell you the difference between either of them. They're really. They're both of them are bad. I just know that. So. Okay. Yeah, he's got some stinkers. But let's just say Outcast. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I. I'd almost put Ghost Rider in for some of like his work. Ghost Rider's not a good. The second one I like. Ghost Rider's so bland the, the thing about nick cage he'll he'll do something in a film that i think is interesting the first Ghost Rider film just is not interesting i don't think now the second one is just off the rails crazy so i know and I, I like that um but i i will say the movie that i think nick cage is the worst in neville teen and taylor sorry i've been trying to think oh yeah of neville teen and taylor yeah okay um 
so if, if I had to pick the film that is the worst Nick Cage performance is going to be the one we're going to talk about tonight, 1997's Con Air. Okay. Are you ready to get into it? I am, now that you say that. Right. <laughs> okay. Um, so, Brad, th- this one's interesting, uh, and I didn't even realize this until you brought it up, but this came out in 97. 97, June of 97. two action movies come out in 97. One we already talked about, Face Off, right? So, Con Air, Face Off. Con Air comes out at the beginning of the month. Face Off comes out at the end of the month. So, there's a point in time in... Probably like the first, like July 4th. So you're like, hey, I'm off work. I'm going to go see two movies. You could have seen Con Air and Face Off back to back. That is a great double header. Yes. And you would see Nick Cage acting just at its poorest performance in Con Air and not necessarily at his peak, but probably at a halfway decent, hey, this guy is an actor and he deserves a that's, paycheck. I mean, that's insane. So. Budget on this movie, which is $75 million, which is quite a bit, but they're For using, 97, that's pretty good. They're using real airplanes. They're, a lot of this is practical. Um, some big names in it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, makes $224 million internet, like total. Um, so Financially, not a bomb. Yeah, financially not a bomb. $122 million internationally, $101 million um, roughly domestically is the 11th highest grossing film of 97 face off is number eight. So Nicholas cage has two of the highest grossing uh, top 11 films in He's 97 money in 97, man. Yes. And what, what's um, what month did it come out? June. Okay. So listen to this. So we, uh, we know obviously face off speed Two cruise control, Troy. Oh man. Will not be on this. No, will not be on this. Uh, you don't. Podcast. You don't like Willem Dafoe. Speed two. No. Okay. Well, hey, Spider Man. Jason um, Patrick. Another potential movie. Maybe it's so bad it's good. Batman and Robin comes oh, out. My, that's just bad. Yeah, that was uh, bad. Hercules, the animated Disney movie. Hercules. Under and, that's one of the most underrated Disney films ever. Yep. Agree. Yep. And My Best Friend's Wedding, the uh, Julia Roberts uh, film. Oh, wow. That's, so, a, that's a pretty stacked month. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have, again, you have two Nicolas Cage movies in one month. It's, it's, it's insane. I, it's, it it kind of is interesting that he, if, if you look at his filmography, he goes from winning an Academy Award in 95 and says, you know what? I'm I'm turning the corner, and I'm gonna be America's action hero. And does the Rock, Con Air, Face Off, and he does. And and all three of those films are bang. I mean, they make tons of money. Then follows that up with um, Scorsese's Bringing Out. I almost feel like after winning the Academy Award, you would go and do Bringing Out the Dead in '99 with Scorsese. But he's like, nope, working with Michael Bay, Simon West, John Woo. Boom, boom, boom. Um, and and. So good transition. One of those directors does not fit in with the other two. <laughs> well, that's the guy who directed this one, right? Yeah, I know. Uh, Simon West. I totally forgot about director Simon West. So this is, I believe, his. How first... could you? How could you remember the guy? I don't he's know. Done... Yeah, his first major uh, film. Wait, what, what? Time out, though, Troy. Yes. Time out. Okay. What did What did he do? What did he do? What did Simon West do? What did he do? Oh, he yes. directed a music video. Before this, 
Maybe the greatest music video of all time. Maybe the greatest song of all time. I Joey. must have missed this one. What did he do? Never going to give you up. <laughs> of course he did. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so maybe Simon West is the greatest I, director of all time. He could be. Um, and Ooh. every time you, you, I hear that song. I did not just Rickroll you. It is the truth. I know. He directed that video. Every time I hear that song, I remember that road trip we did with you, me, and Charlie, and, and you played that damn song over and over again. Um, it was only like 85 times. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> that was torture, dude. Uh, so starts off film career, not music video. Does Con Air 97. Um, I was just going through some of his filmography. General's Daughter in 1999, which I think Sucks. is with Travolta. Yeah, was well, not so good. Yep. Then uh, another high-profile film, Laura Croft, Tomb Raider in 2001, did the first one. The first one's okay. That the, second one is a stinker. Yeah, and what's sad is Simon Yam um, is in the second one, just for a brief, one of our favorite Hong Kong actors. Uh, 2011 does The Mechanic with Jason Statham, which is the remake of the Charles Bronson film. That that film's actually pretty good. I like it. The second one, not so good. Um, of the expendable films, he did the second one, and I would have to say that's one of my favorite. I, you know, not a, not is enough that the, love. What? Which, who's the big bad in that one? Expendables 2 has Jean-Claude Van Damme and this Scott is Van Atkins. Van Damme, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's, it's so good. Um, Stolen in 2012, Wild Card in 2015. And what's interesting is lately Simon West is doing films over in China. So he did 2019 Skyfire which was a Chinese disaster action film. I haven't seen that one. And the next film he has coming out in 2021 is called The Legend Hunters and another another Chinese action film. So he has, for the most part, just transitioned over there and the last couple of movies he's done have been for the Chinese Hong Kong market. Um, I can probably tell you just based on what I know about Skyfire, I'm not checking these out. I don't know if you are. <laughs> they just, I'll no. pass. Um, the other, unless in- I magically show up on my doorstep or something like that. Yeah, I know. I'm not sending you those. Um, it was written by Scott Rosenberg. So this is an, he has an interesting filmography. One of the movies he did, and I think it's one of his first ones is things to do in Denver where you're, when you're dead from 1995. I don't know if you ever caught this one with Christopher Walken, Treat Williams, Andy Garcia. You, you no? need to f- find this film. It is okay. so good. Go watch the trailer. This one is, uh, and what's amazing is watching Con Air and then going back and doing a little research and finding out that the guy who wrote Con Air also did this film. I don't believe it. I don't believe it at all. Things to do in Denver when you're dead is so good. Con Air not from a dialogue I mean, he standpoint. He also wrote one of my favorite movies. What's Which one's that one? High Fidelity. Yes. Which, this guy's weird from a writing perspective. I, I mean, I don't know how you feel about movies in general. I feel like it starts with the script. You have, you have good dialogue, you have a good premise, good story. Director comes in, puts in the visual flair, makes it interesting. But a good story and a good script is where it all starts. And when you look at Scott's, I don't know, filmography in terms of the screenplays he's produced, he is all over the place in terms of quality. Because yeah, he did like Kangaroo Jack or something like that too. You're like, what? Yeah, How Con is- Air, High Fidelity, Beautiful Girls in 96, which is a great film. Did the Gone in 60 Seconds remake in 2000, so he's done other Nick Cage films. Um, And then lately, Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle in 2017, Venom in 2018, and the Jumanji sequel, The Next Level, in 2019. I mean, good for him. He's probably getting paid for those. Absolutely. But I just, in, in most cases, when you look at Simon West and you look at his filmography, you go, yeah, these are Simon West films. 
Scott Rosenberg, uh, I feel Does like he have a, a style? Doppelganger like, or yeah. something. He, I'm trying to figure out like a through line for this guy. Like, I mean, High Fidelity is one of the like, one of the like most smartly, smartly written like films from the 2000s. Yeah, it's one like, of John Cusack's best films. Yeah, yeah, hands down. And then, and then, producer. So, what's significant about Con Air? is this was produced by Jerry Bruckheimer. It was the first film that he did without his partner, Don Simpson. So um, Bruckheimer and Simpson had made so many of the iconic films in the 80s. And right before Don Simpson died, they parted ways. And Con Air became the first one that was just Jerry Bruckheimer. But if you go back and look at the movies that Jerry Bruckheimer made, this is my childhood. Um, he did Thief in 81, Cat People in 82, which I think are great films. Flashdance in 83, which started the whole dance craze film in the early 80s. Then, of course, Beverly Hills Cop in 1984. That's, I mean, that put Eddie Murphy on the map. Um, and if you look at Bruckheimer and what they were doing in the 80s to 90s, I mean, talk about a team of producers that was just printing movies at the movie theater because they're responsible for Beverly Hills Cop, Top Gun, Days of Thunder, Bad Boys, Crimson Tide, The Rock. Con Air. Well, what's interesting, in 97, they had Con Air and Armageddon, which were two big hits, right? Um, yeah, Enemy of the State as well. Yeah, and, and of course, they they have some financially successful ones, like Pearl Harbor in 2001, who, uh, I mean, that one's a stinker, though. But the rest, Pirates of the Caribbean, National Treasure, Prince of Persia, I thought was a bomb, but when I went and looked at that one, it Not actually made a my ton yeah. of money. Yeah. Um, and then lately, Bruckheimer's put out Gemini Man in 2019, which I know a lot of people crap all over that film. It's it's not that bad. It's actually pretty good. And if you had a chance to see it in the theater with the new um, frame rate that they did in certain cinemas, it was like watching real people on. I, it was the most clearest picture I've ever seen. It was ridiculous. Yeah, I just I I only saw it on the 4K or whatever in, in my house. So unfortunately. I don't have something that can do 120 frames per second. So. In 3D? Yeah, I don't. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. I don't have Troy money. Oh, well, and he's got Bad Boys for Life for, from this year, which uh, he was um, responsible for bringing that franchise back. And I, I don't. Did you see that this year? Yeah, it's 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 good. Yeah, yeah. I was actually really surprised how much I enjoyed it. I missed Martin Lawrence and I missed Will Smith together. Like, that was something I didn't know I needed in my life until I saw it back. And I was like, wait a minute. These guys are great together. Yeah. And I, I, I forgot, like, I, I want a mature Martin Lawrence <laughs> and Will Smith together because I think Bad Boys 3 might be the best out of the trilogy. I, I'm ready for another one. I, I thought it was good. I think the action sequences probably are at its apex in two. But from a performance and, and how much more fun I had, I, I really like this third one. And, of course, in 2021... And you're going to be boy. there opening. Yes. I, Tom Cruise. I'm there. I'm, I will definitely take off work for this one and see it like four times that day. Top Gun Maverick. Everybody should be there for that one. Give, give all our money to them for Top Gun Maverick. It looks fantastic. Um, that, that's an impressive group of people working behind the scenes to bring Con Air. And yeah, I'm, yeah. I mean, well, minus Simon. That's West. how you get seventy. That's how you get seventy-five million dollars for probably an idea someone wrote on a napkin that just said "prison plane" on it. 
Well, I think that's how that idea came apart was they found out about a prison plane. They said, hey, let's make a movie about it, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I love movies where you can pretty much pitch the idea, like the elevator pitch. And the elevator, like the doors haven't even shut yet. You're just like, hey, got a movie idea. Prison plane. And then the doors, <laughs> fi- like, you like say the idea before the, you know, someone's hit the button. Yeah. So, yeah, sign me no, up for that. It's an interesting concept. So I guess that's the aspect of the screenplay I can believe that might come from Scott Rosenberg is, he started with a good idea and had a concept, but we'll talk about the dialogue here in a minute. So yeah, that, now we got to make a two two hour like hour what hour and fifty five minute movie hour and fifty five minute movie Troy. Yeah, um, so that's behind the screens in or behind the camera in front of the camera. You have just what some more bangers. Well, this is a incredible cast. Not just for the 90s, but even more so when you look back in 2020 and go and and watch Con Air and you say all these people are together for a film. John Cusack as Agent Vince Larkin. Um, Nicolas Cage, your hero, Cameron Poe, right? Monica Potter as Trisha Poe. And Colm Meany as Agent Duncan Malloy. So for those who are familiar with Star Trek, Colm was in one of the Star Trek shows. I don't know which one. I watch the movies. I don't watch the TV shows. Deep Space? No, I don't know. I don't know. That's just a guess. I don't yeah. Know. Who really cares? No, I'm just kidding. Star Trek, I'm sure, is really good. I just don't have the time to watch the 1,000 whatever series or episodes are out there. Although Michelle Yeoh is in the new one, so I might check that one out because she's my favorite actress. <laughs> um, wow, digressed again. Anyway, so those are the good guys, right? And then the movie, Con Air, has uh, probably some of the best actors you can put in roles to play convicts right out of the gate, John Malkovich as Cyrus the Virus Grissom. Then you have Ving Rames as Nathan Diamond Dog Jones, a young Dave Chappelle as Pinball Parker. Um, I have a question for you. So is it Steve Buscemi? Buscemi? Buscemi. Buscemi? Yeah. What's funny is when you come out here uh, on the East Coast, the first place I'm going to take you to in Philadelphia is Eastern State Penitentiary. So it's an old prison. It's um, it's not operational anymore, but it's in the middle of the city, and you can tour it. And what's cool about it is they give you a, like an iPod with headphones, and you know you go to a little station, and it's one, two, three through like two hundred and something, and you click it, the number, and it's Steve Buscemi who is narrating that's you know interviewing people who worked at the prison or famous stories or you know this is haunted, etc. Um, but he does this whole narration of Eastern state penitentiary. It's awesome. You can, you can, I've been there like two or three times, four or five hours of time. Haven't seen all of it. And it's four or five hours of li- listening to Steve talk about this, this prison. And I can't get enough of it. Remember the game we played last week where it's like one degree separation from Pulp Fiction. This one's pretty easy. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's, uh, um, Bing and yeah. Steve. Danny Trejo is Johnny 23. Um, and then some lesser known Nick Chunlin as William Billy Bedlam Bedford and Mike Kelty Williamson as Baby Odell, which I believe was John Cusack's uh, cellmate or cell buddy. Uh, Nicholas Cage's cell buddy. Nicholas Cage. Yeah, I'm sorry, not Joker. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. He was Bubba from Forrest Gump. <clears throat> Bubba from Forrest Gump. Exactly. So um, before we get into talking about our thoughts on the film, I thought some of the information about the movie was kind of interesting so this movie was nominated for a couple of academy awards did you know that i did so best song maybe yeah best song and i think sound design the leanne rhyme song 
Yes. So interesting thing about that. So How Do I Live was nominated for both the Academy Award for Best Original Song and the Razzie Award for Worst Original Song. So the Razzies take place at the same time as the Academy Awards. So the Academy Awards are Just like, as prestigious, yes, by the way. The, and, and they're saying, these are the best films that we've put out. The Razzies are over here and saying, these are the worst films you've put out with the worst actors and everything else. So the song, um, How Do I Live, was nominated for the best that American movies had to offer that year, as well as the worst. Um, and the film, though, did win the Golden Raspberry Award for Worst Reckless Disregard for Human Life and Property. So that was the 18th Golden Raspberry Awards. It got that special award, which I agree with. I mean, if any movie from 97 was going to win it, it was going to be Con Air. Uh, The other thing I liked about this one was John Cusack allegedly dislikes his film so much that he refuses to be interviewed about it. He hates this thing. I don't get it. Really? I mean, he's not like he's good in it. Like he's okay. I mean, he's walking around in his sandals. In an Dude, that film. suit. If Barack Obama wore that suit, Fox News <laughs> would go insane. Yes. That brown suit, boy. Woo. Yeah, like and a- I told you this, and you were all excited about it. Um, the original runtime for this, and I, I think the version that I watched on Blu-ray was one hour and fifty-five minutes, and I think that's the version you watched too, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. So. There was on a DVD release at one point a director's or unrated cut that was floating around, um, extended version. I don't know if it was a, a true Simon West director's cut, but it was two hours and three minutes. So that was eight extra minutes of Con Air. Yeah, I heard it didn't really add a whole lot. There's a little bit more of the bar scene at the beginning and a few things here and there. But yeah, it would have been it would have been eight minutes too long. Yeah, I mean, the movie's already too long. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, so, um, so Brad, this was your pick. Uh, you get three turkeys this month. I get two. And we're, we're in the halfway point. And I got to tell you, I'm glad we're only doing this for a month. Like, if, if you told me, hey, Troy, let's do a podcast of all the movies that are so bad that it's good. I could do a good four weeks of it, but I need to get back. What about five our, weeks? Five <laughs> weeks, yeah. We, I need yeah. to get back into our, our good pretension. I, math is just pronouncing last names and doing math but let's be honest math sucks so do you really need it when you got an iphone oh oh, here we go (laughs) yeah i'm good i'm good i'm gonna get a letter for that one and it's gonna come from the inside the house inside my house um but um yeah so you picked this one why because i wanted to do a nick cage movie okay and i felt like Face Off was a little too obvious. Again, Face Off is one of the dumber movies you'll see too because there's so many things problematic about taking in one man's face and putting it on another man's body. Hey, Face um, Off is William Shakespeare level compared to Con Air. So, I don't want to hear this trash and Face Off um, anymore in, in and, and I know and I know you don't like The Rock. So, um I think dumb. I figured Con Air is a good because if you think about it, Con Air is one of the dumbest movies you'll ever, ever see. Um, there's a lot of stuff in this movie. You're like, why is this even in this movie? Um, I don't know how many times they say the word insulin in this movie, but it's way too many. It actually should not be mentioned once. Like insulin. It's a major plot point, dude. It shouldn't be. It should not be. It is. Baby O should not be a character in this movie. But anyway. Um, but I just think it's a fun movie. I literally did not have to rewatch this movie this week 
for this episode. I did anyway. Isn't that cheating? Um, wait, 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 hold on. You didn't watch it? No, I did. Okay. I, but I didn't have to. Okay. I know. Because that would every be cheating. Beat, no, I, okay. no, I gladly watched it again this okay. week. Um, I know every major beat of this movie. Um, my brothers and I will sometimes get together and we're hanging out. And we're just like, we're going to watch. Always going to watch. When we're together, we're always going to watch Pulp Fiction. And it's always like, okay, let's we'll watch Big Lebowski or Con Air. And usually it's Con Air. Because, you know. Over Face Off? They don't really. I can't get them to come around on Face Off. Okay. I, uh, but Con, but Connor's just an easy movie to understand. Like, okay, we're going to take a bunch of prisoners and we're going to transform via plane. Boom. That's all you need to know. That's really all the movie is. And Nicolas Cage arrives at a bar by boat. Yeah. By boat. How awesome is that? And he magically <laughs> gets his wife pregnant. Yeah. That's I, not his kid. <laughs> I'm assuming. It, I, Casey is not his. I don't know. <laughs> um, That's not how pregnancy works. Unless he had some on ice. You know, so I've, I own it. I've watched it. I saw it in the theater. And it's one of those films. I, I don't know if you ever experienced this. There are some movies. And I don't know if it's just 90s action films. We talked about The Last Action Hero. I don't know how many episodes back. It's one of the earlier ones. Um, And, and there's something about action movies from the mid nineties that are starting for me to lose their appeal outside of some like face off, et cetera. I don't know what it is outside of this. One's a great example for an action film. There's not a lot of action. It happens in the last maybe 40 minutes of the film. This movie is comprised of about an hour plus of setup. Yeah. I agree. There's way too much of a getting the guys on the plane. Each person has like a, their own little featurette about who they are and what they've done. Yes. I mean, it's brief, but they have to explain who each character is via kind of this weird, you know, they're processing these guys and, and then I have never, can I stop? I for have a film for, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. For ahead. a movie, I name a movie where reading letters or reading dossiers. My dearest Casey. <laughs> or reading advances the plot. That You come out of the gate with people reading crap over and over again. And when they aren't reading letters, they're telling you what the next plot point is. So for a dumb People were stupid, film, Troy. <laughs> yeah, for a dumb popcorn film, there is so much exposition in the first hour. It's ridiculous. Yeah, for a, for a movie that the premise is prison plane it should not be this hard um and for a movie called con air boy this plane is on is landing a lot it's not in the air very often no yeah i i I don't understand what the appeal and i remember in 97 really liking this when it came out in the theater because it felt fresh and maybe it's one of those things when you go back and revisit something it's it doesn't retain that freshness anymore and when you get to a point where you watch a ton of different action films, because I, I think between you and I, we're a little bit of an action junkie as much as we like our horror films and film noir and stuff like that. Yeah. This That's one, fair to say. This one, when you look at it critically, it, it is a terrible film, especially in the first hour. And, and if even if you disagree, you got to give me that the first 30 minutes are kind of painful to get through because it's just people reading crap. That's yeah, it's it Nicolas Cage... 
A, getting in a fight. Does he have the worst lawyer of all time? I think so. Because hey. if, a, if a person pulls a knife on you and you're defending yourself, there's no way you should spend seven years in prison. But it was, it was Alabama law. So yeah. I've, I've only visited. I don't, I have never been arrested. Please. I, I don't know if it's In different. Alabama, you could probably shoot someone. It, it, and come get on. away with it's it? It's the South. It's the South. Come on. Yeah, I do feel like he had uh, a very poor As long as legal... it's like a pistol or something. Like if you're like, you know, doing a, what was that? Like a draw? What is that? A draw? What? A quick draw? Quick draw. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, just... I don't know. I don't really think about guns. Yeah. It's, um. It's a cra- it it's a crazy setup. But you get early on introduced with Nicolas Cage reading letters, probably the worst Alabama accent ever. So I told you this is Nick Cage's worst film. It is his worst acted I I I haven't seen Outcast, so I'm only going off of the films that I have seen. But I cannot imagine a Worst movie than Nick Cage in a mullet reading letters with an Alabama accent. Yeah, that that accent and that hair are both offensive. <laughs> it's... I don't know what this. So, I mean, we are both from, you know, the Midwest yes. area. We've dealt with a lot of. Not South, but you yeah. know some people from the South. You've dealt with people from the South. That accent is not from someone from Alabama. It is. And he like. I was looking at IMDb trivia and it said that like he went to Alabama to to perfect his accent and I was like, um, mm. I don't think he did. I don't. I mean, it's really bad. I'm gonna say that, challenge on that. And that hair is unbelievable. Who um, in their right mind thought to sit down with Nicolas Cage and say, "Look, grow it out, grow it Just out. Grow it the out. mullet's gonna work for you." Kurt Russell. Nobody does a better mullet than Kurt Russell. What what gives this guy the audacity to even challenge a Kurt Russell mullet? I don't understand that. I mean, he, Nicolas Cage does look good. like he's very muscular in this movie. He's very like action star ish. You wouldn't um, know it because all you're doing is staring at that mullet, and then you're closing your eyes because your body is cringing from that Alabama accent. So you don't even know if this guy's jacked. And they have a part where he walks out of the bus and his hair just flows in the wind everyone knows the gif like the yes. gif is when he's Nicolas winking Cage, yeah just the hair just blowing in the wind you're like uh is this like like a weird fabio thing like it's just <laughs> weird I, it's, I don't know what type of directing choices were going on at this point in the film the other thing that really stuck out this time was the music so Oh, you mean like guitar after guitar after guitar? This movie is scored with guitar. It wasn't even that. It was the, here's your ominous, dun, 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 dun. And right in the middle, it would just change. it go, dun, dun, dun. I, the editing is very choppy in this film. But I, I feel like that's a typical, the rock. So if you're, if you're talking about degrees of just shitty editing, you start with the rock. Then you go to oh Con God. Air. And then you get to... Face off, which actually is some good editing. So there's a natural progression here, right? But the music really highlights the schizophrenic. I don't, I don't know what you want to call it from an editing perspective, because you get this very ominous music going in the background and people talking all tough, and then you go to something fast paced, and then the music just changes on a dime, and then you get this schmaltzy soundtrack or how do I live kind of 
in there that little theme song you get that you get that song twice you get the beginning i know it's too much um twice is too much but even then you get some dramatic music the little guitar like every time nicholas cage is going to do something all badass you get that kind of guitar string the slow one um and then it goes to ominous beat and then back to the fast-paced orchestra and it's all over the place and i i know the music is supposed to enhance a scene but I would give you that Con Air is an example of where music will take you out of the film because it's so jarring. Well, even like Garland Green, when he comes on, it's like this weird, like it changes like to this weird, yeah. like industrial thing. And you're like, what is this? Go back. and I, I wanted to make sure it wasn't just me and that maybe it was editing or composing. But if you go onto YouTube, you, you can listen to the Con Air soundtrack. So I was listening to snippets of it and I can't remember which track it why, is. Why would you? Why would you do that to yourself? Because sometimes I fixate on something in a film so much that I go down this rabbit hole and I start to think, well, maybe, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's really not that bad. But when you go back and listen to the soundtrack, you go, wow, it, it is that bad. Because You're like, wow, even, is this fire? Is this fire hot? I'm gonna stick my hand in it a few times. <laughs> yes. Oh, my hand keeps coming out burned. I don't know why. I'm gonna stick it in the fire again. Yeah, it, it's cringeworthy. But um, I, I mean. Does it add to the so bad it's good? I don't know. Um, let's talk about... Okay, here's the thing. Is this film so bad it's good? If you didn't have the last 45 minutes, this would be a piece of crap through and through. Well, yeah, you'd, you'd have three-fourths of a movie or half of a movie. I know. And let's face it. when, when But I talk- would disagree. I think the Las Vegas stuff is really the dumbest part of this movie and doesn't need to end in Las Vegas. Uh, see, that's where we would disagree because it's okay. the Las Vegas stuff that, for me, redeems the film because it's so dumb, it's good. And I, I don't, I don't want to sit here and just rant on this thing for the entire duration at the end of the day, this movie is Why saved. not? I, I did it last week. <laughs> I know. But but the difference is, so when we talk about Ready to Rumble, I 100% acknowledge sort of the potty humor that happens and the man-child humor in the first 30 minutes. But when you get to the Oliver Platt the and all of a sudden you get this road film and the chemistry and the comedy that's developed out of that, I really enjoy it. But it you don't have to wait an hour to get there. And the only thing that keeps you going in that first hour is John Malkovich. It's not Ving Rhames. It's not everybody else. I really think if this movie is simply made because John Malkovich is so good in it, he's the saving grace of it. Nicholas Cage is so awful. John Cusack is so bland. Ving Rhames is Ving Rhames. He's okay. The Steve Buscemi stuff is okay. We'll talk about that in, in a bit of a detail. But if you're really talking about what is going to get you th- from the f- you know minute one to maybe minute one hour and 15 minutes, it's John Malkovich. I mean, would you disagree? Oh, I agree 100%. He's the most interesting villain of the film. I mean, he's Cyrus the Virus. He's killed more people than cancer, which, I mean, even with your math, you know is impossible. So, Well, see, I believed him. With my math, math skills, so I was like, wow, that guy's pretty dangerous. <laughs> um, but no, he's, he's the best thing about this film outside of what I would say is some great practical explosions and effects in the 45 minutes. Exactly. The, the explosions and this is – if you told me Michael Bay kind of tried to make this movie, I would 
kind of agree like, oh, this looks kind of Michael Bayish in a way. I mean, this is Simon West, I think, trying to go for that. Um, well, it's a, it's, but this is it's a Brock good example Heimer, yeah. Yeah, of a producer saying, hey, I'm making movies over here. I need you to blow it. And I need slow motion. And I need that mullet to just flow, flow in, in the, the wind. Yeah. I need Nicolas Cage to do these amazing roundhouse kicks in slow motion. Um, and and he delivers it. And he delivers that it. Billy, the Billy Bedlam fight where they're fighting underneath the plane is the most awkward fight scene I've ever seen in my life. Because they're both kind of like hunched over because they're, you know, it's like they've got like four feet of clearance and they're like ducking down. I'm like, this is not where you want this fight scene to take place. It's so awkward. I agree. But in a more competent director or fight choreographer, I mean, think about how many fight scenes that we've seen in Hong Kong films where that would have been a pretty amazing fight sequence. Think of the train sequence in Drunken Master 2 or Legend of the Drunken Master. I was just thinking that. Troy. Yes, when Jackie <laughs> no, <I> Chan <laughs> and Lark Carlong are fighting underneath the train with a staff and sword and how exciting that is versus the same kind of confined spaces and it's two guys rolling around kind of bumping into each other and slapping each other until one accidentally falls on a pole. That's the difference between Hong Kong action cinema and 90s American action cinema. So folks... Just watch those two, and and you'll understand. Stay away from American action films in no. the '90s, and just look at the action stuff. And I'm just saying, go look at the Hong Kong stuff in the '90s versus this stuff. You, come on, man. I, I know, I know, but that's a big ask. I know. There's subtitles. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about the dialogue? So. The, what about the dialogue? <laughs> what are you talking about? The dialogue is terrible, Troy. It's um, terrible. Yeah, it's it's cheesy, but not in a good way. Um, I'm trying to think of so you you get stuff that I had never. I rolled my eyes so hard I thought they were going to fall out of their sockets at the scene where his his buddy Bubba is dying after being shot. Well, he's not dying. I mean. He's, why, he's, why does he not die? Why does he not die? Because the insulin saved him from bleeding or something. I don't know. But so you that, this, go ahead. Yes, you, you get this dramatic possible death scene, and as as you know, he's he's slowly fading away. He's talking about I I don't know if I believe in God and blah blah blah. And Nicholas Cage's response was, "I'm going to try my best." <laughs> Here Alabama it comes, everybody. Accident. Are you ready? Well, I'm I'm going to show you. God does exist. <laughs> That's actually not bad. That's not bad. <laughs> and and you know you you get this sense of okay the power of Nicolas Cage's mullet is going to convert this atheist into Christianity. It's divine <laughs> out of that line. It is so horrible. It's Jesus terrible. had long hair too. Sean. I know, but um, and Nick hair, Nick Cage had long hair, so therefore. Maybe Nick Cage is Jesus. I guess. You, you get some movie. other stuff like, uh, sorry, boss, but there's only two men I trust. One of them's me. The other's not you. So my question <laughs> is, who's the other guy? I don't know. <laughs> well, because at the end of the movie, he does say he trusts three guys. But I want to know shake... who number two is. I, I, I don't know. Is is it um, Baby Odell? Is that the other guy? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Um, some some winty. This, this is what constitutes as witty banter. But John- did you read did you read Roger Ebert's review? No. What did he he, say? he liked the witty banner 
The, this witty banner, Brad, when Johnny23, played by Danny Trejo, oh, says, God, the 600. do you know what I am? And Cameron Poe says, ugly all day. <laughs> that, that type of witty banter. Yeah. Roger Ebert gave three out of four stars to this movie. My God. And he's like my favorite. Wit. He's my favorite critic. He's everyone's favorite. And he's got more misses than hits sometimes. I but. guess. But I, I will say, so you, you talked about Ready to Rumble. The thing that made you laugh out loud was the Michael Bolton <laughs> joke. Did you go back and listen to the joke? Still, yes, I did, actually. Did you laugh? Did, did you laugh? Well, okay. I'm, I'm laughing now because I'm in my head I'm sitting there picturing you watching with a scowl Ready to Rumble on my face. with a scowl just like crushing things. And all of a sudden the Michael Bolton joke comes out and, and your reaction would be like, uh-huh. <laughs> you know that's it because your your laugh is always <laughs> right um, shut up it is so but the thing that made me laugh out loud and it's my my favorite piece of dialogue through the entire film from steve Bashimi is when he says define irony bunch of idiots dancing on a plane to a song made famous by a band that died in a plane crash i thought that was hilarious yeah, the Leonard Skinner, yeah. Yeah. I mean, not all of them died in a plane crash. But, oh, I you know, know but I them. thought that was funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, my my question to you is, was this movie screen tested to death? It had to be. Because there's a lot of... So there's the Garland Green with the girl, which, like, if he's as nasty as he should have been... He is a serial sh- killer who... She should have been rained. dead. Yeah, Ving reigns is crap in his pants as he's just unlocking yeah. his cage, right? So he should have, like, eaten that girl's head or something like that. He, yeah, not... he should have taken her face off and worn it back onto the plane. Yeah. And was like, hey, guys. Uh... But no, she waves at the plane. He's like, bye-bye. And you're yeah, like, he takes mm. the Ken doll or something with him, yeah. right? And the baby-o thing, like, he should have died. Like, there's no reason he should have lived. Yes, but I you just established Nick Cage's... Um, similarities to jesus cristo so <laughs> <But> therefore like, <laughs> so there he was a, able to save him so the b plot of this movie is he's got to get a syringe yes for this insulin because right. baby o is diabetic he finds a syringe at an abandoned like small town runway you got hepatitis C now, baby. Oh, like you're not, you either got that or you got AIDS. Like don't well, use that syringe. It's at Lerner Airfield in a fire truck that has been sitting abandoned with a yeah, bunch that, of disabled airplanes. Right. That thing is 25 years old. At least tetanus. You get a tetanus shot. <laughs> <laughs> Again, he's he's Nicholas Cage with a mullet. He's gonna save people. I don't know what to tell. I don't know what to tell you. Well, so you talk about the test screening. I wonder how many jokes are on the editing room floor. Because I feel like this was meant as a very, hey, let's let's go through the action quips, right? And you're supposed to find all this humor within these exchanges between Nicolas Cage or the convicts or something else. It's supposed to be very menacing, but it's that same kind of thing. It's very Schwarzenegger-like. Yeah. You know, oh, I let them go. Stuff like that from Commando. But the attempt at humor on here, I guess my question for you is, does it translate to 2020 and is it funny? I know it's hard for me to separate this from seeing it so many times in the 90s and even the past few years. Um, 
and kind of the nostalgia I feel for it. I mean, it's not a, I wouldn't say it's a funny movie. Um, the car, I think the, the part with the ass kicker car is kind of funny. And when it's flying um, in the air attached yeah, to the Cole, Cole Meany is like, just yells. His, wow. his all was here's some lines and just yell and yell at John yeah, Cusack for two hours. Though he does play a jerk really well. Like you hate that guy so much. And even at the end, it's like he and uh, John Cusack are like buddies at the end. You're like, no, no, yeah, that no. guy's that guy's an like, ass. He, we did not need the redemptive story of Cole Meany in this movie. Like it's it has no place again. And again, we've we've talked. This movie's almost two hours long. There's this weird little plot where um, they go to Cyber Survivors' cell and they like find all this maps. And it's the whole stuff. plans to the plane yeah. and how they're going to get away and all this other it's stuff. Like, and I'm like, you could have gotten to that point way quicker without showing them going into his cell and stuff. Like it's just why, none of that. Why works. did John Cusack? What, did he have like six cents when he's running down the hallway? And all of a sudden, he's thinking, he tells him, don't touch anything, right? Yeah. And then the guards sit down, and they see a cookie tin box, and it says, do not open. And so, of course, so you open, open it. it. So, John Cusack's running, and he stops. He's like, wait a second. He starts to turn around, and all of a sudden, there's a huge explosion out of this cookie box tin, which makes no sense to me. Of course, oh. though, we were not in the military, so we don't know how explosives work. There's chemicals mixing, Troy. I don't know. I, yeah. Um, it's movie. Don't you remember the rock? Like, those little green things were pretty deadly. Yeah, I'm trying to forget that. I don't know if we <laughs> talked about that. <laughs> so, um, but the humor. So it's it's weird. You've got John Cusack in sandals as a Marshall FBI whatever cop, right? That's supposed to be kind of funny a little bit because Colm Meany points it out all the time. Well, yeah, because he's a bookworm and you know yes. he he doesn't think that criminals are monsters because you know he's using big words with everybody and Colm Meany's like, what does that yeah. mean? Yeah. Um, and, and Dave Chappelle, so if, if you do go to IMDb and you, you see some of this trivia, uh, everybody says that Dave Chappelle pretty much improvised all of his lines on set. He's outside of you go, ooh, that's Dave Chappelle. I don't know if he's all that funny, but you get Dave Chappelle humor, right? So he's talking to the girl and he's saying, oh, I'm the from the Department of Ire- I mean, Corrections. <laughs> um, and, and that's the level of humor you get from Dave Chappelle. Well, yeah, besides the casual racism as well. Yes, he, he, yeah, he, he does drop that every The Native American does uh, get uh, lambasted a little bit, unfortunately, and then you, caught you get, on fire. You get the bird poop on, on the driver's... Uh, windshield he's trying to wipe okay. it all upset and then the I, body comes out and, and smashes that's yeah, supposed his, to be funny his puppet comes like that that puppet that they made of dave chappelle does not look anything like dave chappelle but so why does the guy take a napkin and try to wipe it off the windshield like no one does that that's what your windshield wipers are for i don't for for comedic effect i don't know it's just weird it's just weird. I, I don't know. Um, I hate when people do unnatural things in movies. You're like, no, no one, no one does that. That's not no. There's yeah. a, there's a, an invention called windshield wipers <laughs> that wipe off stuff off your windshield. Yeah, um, and it's it's him yelling at his wife about his car being dirty from bird poop, and then you know, guy just smashes it right. Then you, then I you mean, again running. though, they have writing on that shirt. If a body now, I don't know. So let's say it it, it hits. Terminal velocity, Troy, falling from an airplane. Um, that sounds like math. It, it is. Okay. You know, it's, it's the maximum speed an object will fall to the earth. 
um, because of gravity. Okay. Uh, if it hits that car going, let's say like a hundred and I think it's 156 <laughs> miles an hour. I really don't want uh, to write this crap down. <laughs> hits that car. Okay. Like that body is just now. Goo. Like, explode. Yeah. It's, it's, it's literally fluid now. It's like nothing is there. They're not reading that shirt. That shirt is illegible at this point. So that is the one part of the film I, I did believe only because my listen, when when I took physics, I I didn't do as well in physics because I thought the physics in like Wiley e. Coyote cartoons was somewhat accurate. So Oh, you didn't think you, you fell you wouldn't fall to the earth until you noticed that you were like you know, falling. You possibly, were off a yeah, cliff. Oh, yeah. Maybe. Okay. But again, we've already <laughs> you know, uh, highlighted my, um, distaste of math. So, <laughs> um, the other humor, Ooh, Troy, yes. terminal velocity, about 150 Char- miles an hour. Oh, I thought you about talking about the Charlie Sheen films. No, no. But that, so. Yeah. That's a good film. <laughs> yeah. But I was, I was actually pretty close. Yeah. Um, so you, you've got the one-off humor, but then you have this recurring humor that goes through it as well. So the big one is the bunny, right? So put the bunny back in the box. Or wait, oh, yeah. <clears throat> I gotta do the Alabama. Put the bunny back <laughs> in back the in. box. Uh, and then John Malkovich, you know, make a move and the bunny gets it. So yeah, he holds a gun up to the bunny. To the bunny, like that's that's gonna stop whatever you know shenanigans is going on in the plane. You get a guy in a dress as recurring humor throughout the film. So yeah, not funny. Ramon, that, that... is it. Ramon as Sally can't dance. Yeah. Yeah, you get these lines where John Malkovich says, scratch their eyes if they do such and such, right? Yeah, the gay, um, the gay stuff is a little bit much. Yeah, like, Nick Cage ha- is going to slap him versus yeah. hit him, stuff like that. And, like, the first thing he has to do when the plane lands is he has to find a dress. And right. you're like, okay, come on. Like, you're allowed to be a gay character and not, like, this. Offended. Not in like, the mid-90s, though. This, I know. This I is know. mid-90s. Like you know, gay panic, it's it's it, disgusting. It it is it is weird. I, I was watching a Stephen Chow film from like the early '90s, and it it was amazing how gay humor is used as this just lowbrow humor, right? And everybody makes fun of him, etc. And I guess it's the whole. It, am I am I saying it right? Like the woke, like you're woke about something. Yeah, I don't know. I need, I need my daughter okay, and son here. Good job. <laughs> like, oh, you're woke now. But I I totally get it when you go back and look at some of these films in the 90s when they use that. And this is one of those where as it pops up, you're like, ooh, yeah, 2020. I, no, not 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 good, man. Not good. Yeah. I, and, you know, it's it's like you go back and look at John Hughes movies and they're dropping the F-bomb left yeah. and right. And you're like, ah, God. And but, I know you got you got to you got to measure these things. Yeah, the exactly. But this one is re- this one is really bad, though. Yeah, like, it's even bad. measured in 97. You're like. God, like you're just, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, the other running gag throughout the whole film is, is Steve Buscemi, of course. Everybody's afraid of him. He's the he's like the nation's deadliest serial killer. Um, and then you have um, Steve Buscemi being probably the most sane uh, of anybody on the plane, and he's commenting on the mental health of the other convicts. Um, so when when you ask like, was this thing tested over and over again? I have to assume that there were so many different jokes on the on the writers you know writing room floor or in the editor's floor or something of that nature in 90s i guess humor this this is the stuff that passed right for yeah. a, a jerry bruckheimer film yeah i mean it's 
it's very mainstream. This movie is a very mainstream movie. It's very kind of that's sad. Expli- it's very explain. <laughs> it's very explained to death. You know, yeah. there's no subtlety. None. There's no, um, you know, sort of nuance or anything like that. It's just all expository action set piece. Expository action set piece. Now I will say, the damn shootout that they have on at the Lerner Airfield is pretty badass yes i do enjoy that, pretty badass that's the thing when you get to the point when they're trying to move the plane out of the sand after kind of crashing it that on is what makes this a fun film and there are parts that are fun in the beginning simply because of john malkovich not all the explaining the hour of explaining <laughs> but when you get john malkovich interacting with folks that's great then you get to probably that last 45 minutes of the film, it, it really becomes an action film, which is weird because when people talk about Con Air, and I have the same kind of thing too, Con Air being this big action film, there's really not a lot of action at all. It's kind of like a heist film in the, in the front part of them just taking over the plane, but then it's over. And then it's a bunch of uh, witty dialogue exchanges between the convicts and them trying to you know, pass on as guards and all this other stuff. And once they get to that Lerner field and you get them getting uh, into the shootout and all the Vegas stuff, then it becomes what I would consider a proper Bruckenheimer action film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I I don't think it could be overstated that that shootout at at the Lerner airfield is pretty awesome. It's it's great. It and even the slow motion, the slow yeah. motion stuff works well. You know, I'll say this: Bruckheimer knows how to pick a director that if you're going to do a shootout and you're going to incorporate slow motion, they're picking the the right people to deliver from that aspect. It it's not John Woo quality slow motion. Let's be honest, okay? But it's, it's I could use more doves. Could have used more doves. Could have used. I wouldn't have been surprised if <laughs> if there were doves that showed up here. Um, so you say that now I'm thinking, and I didn't even, I didn't put two and two together. Who had a better mullet, Jean-Claude Van Damme and hard target or Nick Cage and Con Air? I mean, I'm never going to go against Jean-Claude. Okay, good. As you should. Yeah. He had a better mullet. Let's just be honest. (laughs) Um, I want Vegas, Vegas. Yeah, let's talk, talk about, about Vegas. Vegas. Yeah, so why why do you not like Vegas? Because it's it it okay. So this movie's called Con Air. Yes. Right. Uh, and the best part about the film is Vegas in a movie called Con Air. But go on. Yeah, that's just it's just weird <laughs> to me that they go to Vegas. The plane, the plane crashes on the Vegas Strip. The yes. body count would be immeasurable. Right. There would be people dead everywhere like at the end of this movie people are happy and jovial and all this stuff i'm like no there's thousands of dead people in hindsight they really should have shot the plane down before yeah you're scraping people off the pavement but oh well okay um but brad it did win the award and i gotta bring it back up again worst reckless disregard for human life and property i i get that but it did win that award it was going for that award we're in vegas yes plane crashes Mm mm-hmm John Malkovich gets away. Now he's on whoa, like whoa. a swamp thing, which I get, oh, yes. don't remember that guy's Ving Rhames and John Malkovich get away. And Steve yes. Buscemi. Yes. 
Okay. Yeah, he disappears. Right. But so now there's like a high speed chase In with a, a fire truck. fire truck, and it just I don't know. It just seems like okay. This movie's called Con Air. Why are we on a fire truck now? Like it doesn't make any sense. It's like. In speed, we're always on the bus. Right. Bus, 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 bus. Con air. It should be plane, plane, plane. No, now we're on a fire truck. It's like, nah, come on. Come on, come on, come on. Like, the shootout or something should have been plane. They get on the plane. Something plane. I don't <laughs> should, know. Should they be on the plane, Brad? Yes, because it's called Con Air. Um, it's I, bad enough that this plane lands like four times in this movie. Like, I, I you know. Okay. So here's the thing. The I agree with you 100%. If you're going to call your movie Con Air, your action should take place on the airplane where all the convicts are, right? Yes. But the Vegas thing, think about this. First of all, it, it's totally dumb. You're <laughs> going to do an escape, and there's all these police and everything around. What is the one thing that you should probably drive off in? Something inconspicuous. Would yeah. you agree? Not a fire truck. And, okay, let's say... With the sirens on. Yeah. Or I don't so know if the sirens are on, but... There's, there's, just... Yeah, but there's nothing for you to hijack that's incon- inconspicuous to get away. So you do decide on the fire truck. Now, I think I've rode in a fire truck one time, and there is enough room for three people in a fire truck. But what do you do? You go, no. I'm going to be on the top of the fire truck crawling around so as the sirens are going off and leaving everybody can go hey there's john malkovich <laughs> there's cyrus the virus <laughs> cyrus the virus i should go chase them and so you get john cusack and nicholas cage jumping on a couple of bikes chasing now they're, fire team, truck. now they're teaming up teaming up going after the guy the sequence with the fire truck and the motorcycles i think is quite fantastic because again it's all practical work and yeah. when you when you have the stuntman hanging on the end of the ladder as they're driving around and there's explosions. I mean, the fact that that motorcycle explodes at the back of the fire truck and there's a guy (laughs) hanging on there going through the flames. That's freaking impressive. That's good old fashioned American. That motorcycle was struggling to keep up with the speed of that fire truck. And then when he jumps off, it speeds up somehow. Yeah. Well, no one accelerating physics. I totally get. Well, here I'm going to, I'm going to totally, Blow your mind with this. So okay. one of my friends is a firefighter and we watched it with him. This was five or six years ago. He said, and I've never heard this before. I don't know if it's true or not, but I believe him because he's a firefighter. You cannot, you cannot shoot a fire hose and drive a truck at the same time. The mechanism to drive the truck and to pressure the water are the same thing. So you cannot do both. So is that for all fire trucks? I mean, I feel like Vegas might have something different. I I don't know. He just said that it is impossible to drive a truck and shoot the water at the same time because the mechanism to do both is the same. I really don't need that type of behind the scenes information because now you're just pulling the curtain back between what I figured was actually real. Yeah. So I know when I heard that, I was like, oh, okay. That deflates that whole scene. Mm, I know. But I, I... I agree. For, for a movie called Con Air, you shouldn't have your climatic battle in the streets of Vegas on a fire truck and two motorcycles. But it's fun. It's good. It's the it's the best stunt work in the film. They really wanted to show that John Malcolm that Cyrus the Virus died in that part. Yeah, they did. <laughs> he flies through a like a walking bridge, 
over electrical pole, like intra electrical lines, and then gets his head crushed by a rock crusher. But he's so villainous. Yeah, he's that's so- exactly what has to happen in order to kill oh, a guy boy. who has killed more people than cancer, Brad. <laughs> they wanted him dead. Oh, I agree. Um, yeah. <laughs> so here's the thing: I'm watching this film, and you're absolutely right. You get this. You're in a plane, but you land, and then you're in a plane and you land. The thing about Con Air, and this happens every time I watch it, it always makes me want to go back and watch Passenger 57 with Wesley Snipes. I think it was from 92. Yeah, or Air Force One. Or Passenger 57 from 92. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Why I did you Air watch Force Air Force One? Because I think, I don't know. It's Harrison Ford. It, it's okay. Yeah, but, it's, but it's no Passenger 50. Always bet on black. Wesley Snipes? That movie's amazing. No, I'm not saying. I just, isn't Gary Oldman the bad guy in Air Force, Air Force One? One, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that. Really? Yeah, Over so. Bruce Payne as Charles Rain? Man, I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm getting I'm confused. I don't know. No, 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 I think you're right. I mean, Air Force One's okay. I mean, it, it was the bigger hit. Dude, Harrison I think, Ford the says, two. get off my plane. Yeah, but okay. So what is more manly and cooler? Get off my plane or always bet on black? I mean, Wesley's going to win that one. Thank you. All right. Um, (laughs) Our our impressions tonight have been spot on. I I think so. (laughs) I think people are going to mistake me for somebody who grew up in Alabama. But fact check, I I was born and raised in Wichita, Kansas. So I and Kansas has its Kansas doesn't sound like anything. It just sounds like you. Sounds like me. I'm Um, from Kentucky. So this is what. I don't know. Yeah, sounds like Kansas. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, what else about this film? I mean, John Malkovich saves the first hour. The action saves the last part of it. Yeah, I think um, that's fair. Yeah, and and even and that's how, okay. Yeah, that's, that's okay. it's good. It's the the car sequence where they pull uh, Colmaney's uh, kick-ass car through the ass air. Ass kicker. It's ass, ass kicker. kicker Sorry, yeah. ass kicker. Okay, so can we say anyone that has a vanity plate? It's probably the worst person on the planet. Yeah, is, is not going to be the hero. Yeah. Is that like a movie trope? I don't know. I've never seen, like, vanity plates. No. Keep them. Are you saying that anybody's driving around with a vanity plate is probably an asshole? I mean, 90% of them probably are. Okay, that's probably true. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it it's it's a weird film. It's one of those that... I have to say, with repeated viewings, it, I like it, how you just said, "Con Air." It's a weird film. It it, it, it just it's <laughs> like thanks, Troy. Yes, yes, it is. It is. Well, I I struggle because if we're talking about so bad that it's good, it's a bad film. It's badly made, badly edited, except for the action sequences are actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. The, the soundtrack's terrible. Uh-huh. Nicholas Cage. This it's is terrible. his worst film that I've seen him in. This is terrible. terrible. Um, I can't believe the guy who did High Fidelity. <laughs> wrote things High Fidelity. To do, yeah, wrote High Fidelity and things to do in Denver We Dead did this film. Um, if you told me this was the guy who wrote Venom, did Con Air, I would believe that 100%. Uh, there, I don't know. This, this, this is one of those that each time I watch it, I like it a little less. 
You're getting diminishing returns on Conair? I'm getting diminishing returns. But, again, the only really good thing about it is I will watch Passenger 57 this week because I love Passenger 57. So Conair is like a gateway drug for me to Passenger 57. Which, if you're picking picking 90s airplane action films, I know you want to go Air Force One. For me, it's Passenger 57. Okay. Agree to disagree. Okay. That's fine. That's fine. I'll take Wolfgang Peterson any day of the week. I uh, hope that's I hope he directed Air Force One or I'm gonna look like an idiot. I'll take Kevin Hooks <laughs> over Wolfgang Peterson, who also directed um I don't know. <laughs> it looks like he did some episodes of Preacher. Uh, uh X Files. Outbreak. Outbreak, which is very timely right now. Uh he did Outbreak? Hook yes. did? No, Wolfgang Peterson. Oh, Wolfgang Peterson. Oh yeah, no. I'm trying to. I'm trying to find my guy. And um, oh, did he do a Cynthia Rothrock film? Yes, he did. He did a Cynthia Rothrock film with uh, Stacy Keach called Irresistible Force. My director wins. Sorry. There you go. Okay. Um, what else about Con Air? Any final thoughts? It's real dumb. I can't. Oh, it, it, uh, you. It's real dumb. You picked a dumb one. It's real dumb. You you did you did good on that one, son. Way to go. <laughs> uh, Still made $224 million. Man, that's that's what makes me cry a little bit inside. Um, that this movie made that much, mo- that much money. I mean, again, this is a mainstream action film. It's got huge, at the time, actors. It's got, you know, a real simple plot. It's, you know nuance is thrown way out the door and we're just going to have, you know, this build up and to this climax and then you're done and you, it, it's all wrapped up in a nice little bow and there you go. Yeah. I, I'll give you that. It, it's an easy watch. You, you can definitely check your brain at the door. I am a little shocked at such a big action popcorn film. It really put all of the action on the back end. And I'm I'm sure I'll get a ton of flack for this, but I don't I don't think the humor works as much as uh, it should from from the get go. I think I'm laughing at it, but I'm not laughing with it. If that makes sense. Yeah, and you can keep that Leanne Rhyme song. You can keep it. Oh yeah, that's that's uh who nails on chalkboard on that one. Um, but I'll say this. It the the strength in the beginning is John Malkovich, even Ving Rhames um, to a certain degree. Steve Buscemi is great in it, um, and and the action on the back half. Th- those are the the things that have uh, have my attention. Everything else about it, I would find pretty painful. Everything yeah. else, <laughs> and everything you said, like I don't disagree with anything that you said. Really, um, you know the Vegas stuff we kind of disagree on, but you know. I'm not going to defend this movie if people don't like it or don't think it's that fantastic. Um, again, I, I think it's, it's just a fun, stupid movie. Um, and I'll give you that. It's it, it's diminishing returns on its fun level for me because it gets to a point where you see it so many times and you go, there's nothing that fantastic about it that hasn't been done better in other films so if if i were to sit down and go look you got a holy trinity of action films that nick cage did 
and you're going to rewatch something because we're, we're to that point now where if you think about how many different TV shows, movies, not just the new stuff that's coming out, but all the stuff that you can go visit, right? And wow. revisit. If I'm thinking about Nicolas Cage action films, I'm always going to sit down and go, man, if I got two hours of time, or it's actually off. more than two hours, I'm going to go for face off. Con Air is going to be one of those that I might revisit again at some point in the future. But if I didn't watch Con Air again, I don't know if I would feel like that bad about it. Now, if you told me I wasn't going to watch Hard Target with Jean-Claude Van Damme or Face Off, I would watch those 10 times over before I watch Con Air again. And I know a lot of people put Con Air on a pedestal and would even equate Con Air to those other two films. And for me, I think Con Air is, is middle of the road. It, I think it's still a fun film, but I, I find better action, better thrills, even better humor in Face Off and Hard Target and Passenger 57. I'd watch Passenger 57 just all the time over this one. And Air Force One. Air Force One was the same year, I think. I think it was 97. Yeah, I got to go back and watch Air Force One. I, I remember seeing it and thinking it was pretty good. Gary Oldman, you know, stuff like that. But I don't know. I, there, there's just some. It, if you're going to do com, confined spaces, I mean, if you're talking Wolfgang Peterson, the film that I liked that he did was In the Line of Fire. Was that another one of his with Clint Eastwood? I think so. That was really good. I love that film. But yeah, Con Air, it's. It, you talk about um, me not catching National Treasure on cable if it were national treasure con air I'd probably watch con air oh yeah yeah it's got john malkovich i, I watched con air because of john malkovich he's great and that's the right take yeah i agree so do we get to the question now yes sir all right it's your pick brad episode number 23 turkey month so bad that it's good and this one financially pretty fantastic critically i don't think it made the cut Although you do get people like Roger Ebert who loved it. Yeah, I think it was sitting around right at 50%. Yeah, it's it's and that's probably where it should be. So yeah. it squeaks by on the bomb side of the review, right? Yeah. But from your take, if we're celebrating turkeys, is this so bad that it's good and it's uh, it falls into the not a bomb category? Yeah, I would say this is not a bomb. This is It's so dumb it's good. So I, 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 will, I will state my statement like that, that this is so bad it's good because it's so dumb. But it's it's good, um, just for the performances. Like you said, I think Malkovich obviously is the best part of it. Um, and then you got that cool shootout. Um, they should stay in the damn air in an airplane movie. <laughs> but you know, with that being said, I think this movie is still a lot of fun. So, but I would never, <clears throat> if someone told me, "Hey, I think Connor's dumb and I don't like it," I would say, "Okay, yeah, you're right." But if someone said Con Air is awesome, it's dumb, and I love it, say like, yeah, you're right. So, I I I'm with you. I would say it's not a bomb, barely. <laughs> so let me let me stress that. I I kind of put it up there with Event Horizon. My my take to that. Event Horizon has a lot of stuff I don't like, and it has a lot of stuff I really do like. And when you take a film like Con Air or Event Horizon or some of the others we talked about, it, it's always a give and take, right? So the question is, it's a two hour film. At the end of that two hours, do you enjoy it? Yeah, I enjoy Con Air. But there's so much not to like. There's so much that's so bad it's good, but there's also so much that just is bad. Yeah, you know, that- which is funny because both of those movies should be like this is Prison Plane and Event Horizon is Haunted House in Space, and they both somehow screw that up 
in yeah, a way. You know, it's weird. That's a good point. You got two movies that have a fantastic concept in terms of a story or from a scripting perspective, and yet they don't make it a film that is so memorable, so genre defining. It it is a bit paint by numbers, but I'll say this: if if you want good action choreography, which I'm I'm a junkie for. Con Air has some great stuff on the back half of it. And then if you want a great John Malkovich performance, Con Air's got that on the front half of it. So there's a lot of stuff that's going to get you through the dumb crap that is all throughout this film. And there are some things I'll I'll say this. If you were to if you were to say what part of this is so bad that it's good, it's the dialogue. The dialogue <laughs> is so dumb and it's so terrible that it's good. And there's only one true Brad laugh that I had, which was that Leonard Skinner joke. Yeah. And the rest of it, if I were laughing, it was, this is terrible. Why, why, who put this stuff on paper and then gave it to somebody and said, say this in front of a camera? Yeah, that guy wrote High Fidelity. Yeah, that, that still blows my mind, man. Just blows my mind. Um, well, that, was, that was a good pick, Brad. I'm, I, Thanks, am, I am happy I got to revisit it again. All right, you have to tell me what we're watching next week because I'm um, pretty excited. <laughs> so, my pick. Oh boy! Yeah, this one. I uh, I wanted to really up the ante on the action film. So you've picked two so far. The two movies that you've had a chance to go at was Miami Connection and Con Air, both in the action genre. Right? So bad they're so, they're so good. My first pick was, hey, Brad's pick in action. I'm going to go with comedy. And the other thing that I was going to do was, well, let's do a horror film since you're doing action movies. But, man, we just spent four weeks talking about spooky films in October. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to totally up the ante in terms of so bad that it's good in terms of action films. And I am going to pick 1991. So we're still staying in the 90s, right? 1991's Samurai Cop. It is um, holy hell. <laughs> directed by Amir Shervan. Um, it stars. I'm not even going to try and say these names. I'm going to butcher them next week, anyway. So, do you, do you own a copy of this movie? I do own a copy of this. Uh, do you? I do. I do. Yes. So you've seen this before. I, I have. I have. This is one of those ones you discover and is uh, one of those gather around. You have to see this movie, sort of movie. Yeah, so it was one that I discovered late when everybody was talking about bad action cinema. And there's been tons of videos, um, tons of little clips that float around about this thing. And what's funny is I'll talk with people and I will mention Samurai Cop and they've never heard of it. But then when I show them the trailer, they'll say, oh, I've seen that scene before. Or I've seen a snippet of this film and didn't know it came from this film. Uh, I this think... movie is closer to Miami Connection than like Con Air. Let's just go ahead and say, <clears throat> yeah, I someone think... made this with a bunch of friends. Yeah, I think this one puts uh, Miami Connection to shame. I, I I'm going to call it now and say if Con Air is of somewhat quality, Miami Connection is is probably devoid of quality, but it might have some aptitude in some type of filmmaking. Uh, Samurai Cop has nothing. <laughs> it's yeah. it, it truly is void of everything um, that might be good in terms of filmmaking, and I'm I'm super excited to visit this. Now there was a sequel. This one has such a cult following 
that they somehow got a sequel made in 2015, Samurai Cop 2 Deadly Vengeance. I'll be honest with you. I don't think I'm going to... I've never seen it. I don't know if I want to. The first one is so bad um, that I, I really don't know if I need a sequel. Yeah, I feel like they're trying too hard for the sequel. Like, I feel like... Once you kind of go the machete route where you're trying to be a B movie, that's where the charm kind of goes away for me. So Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think the first one they really made as a serious action film, kind of like yeah. Miami Connection, yeah. which is where these films come from. They're they're made from a passion and desire where the filmmaker really believes in the story or thinks they're delivering something so exciting. I think by the time that Samurai Cop 2 came out, they kind of thought that, okay – uh, everybody's in on the jokes, so let's capitalize on that, see if we can do something a bit and, and recreate that magic in a bottle. Those films never turn out good, so given the limited time I have between this and, and the next recording, I, th- I think I'm going to skip it. Um, if I can squeeze it in, great, but eh, I, I doubt I will. We'll see. Yeah, so it's not a first watch for either of us. No, um, and it'll it'll be fun. We're going to have our good friend uh, Nathan... Uh, join us for the discussion so he'll be on next week he's written in a i think once um and has contacted us he's also kind of helped us behind the scenes as well um but it'll be a good discussion and i think this is the perfect one that if you're going to play along um with us in watching the film this week you need to watch this with other people do not watch this on your own this is definitely one of those that you sit back you put it in you expect to make fun of it for two hours because it's so bad. Half half of the fun is just looking at each other's reactions and, and watching this and going, is this really happening right now? So I would hi- highly recommend don't don't watch this on your own. It, you, you'll miss the magic of it. Brad, if anybody wants to tell us how right or wrong we are about our views and opinions on Con Air or anything that we talk about. Or, or ready to rumble. <laughs> uh, or ready to rumble. Um, any of the films we've talked about. And if you want to give us some suggestions, we're, we're loving the fact so many people are sharing their favorite bombs that they don't think it's enough attention. Um, how do they get a hold of us, Brad? Yeah, so Gmail is uh, notabombpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, Twitter, notabombpod. Um, Instagram, notabombpodcast. Facebook, look us up at notabomb podcast um if you enjoy our show my suggestion is to share it with other people um that helps us the most um you know troy and i you know like the fact that we see listenership grow month over month week over week um it it means that people are are passing us along and sharing with their friends because you know you and i can only do so much you know so the best thing for our podcast is for people to kind of spread it around organically. Um, if you feel like we deserve it, um, go to iTunes, uh, leave us a review. Um, that would be helpful too. And yeah, we're, we're keep chugging along. We're almost up to 25. So, you know, that's, that's crazy. 25 weeks in a row, pretty close. So, um, yeah. And you and I have our December pretty much laid out. So January, we're going to get back to our original list. Um, so if you have suggestions for that, uh, drop us a suggestion. Yeah. And we're incorporating a listener request, uh, in January. 
so that that's my favorite thing about this is just interacting with people that I may not have um, talked to or met before and everybody kind of sharing their personal hey have you guys heard about this film um, your favorite and, part is is not talking to me it's the other people no it's not talking to you because you yeah, make me watch some crappy no I'm just <laughs> no it's uh you know I, I know we do this if we weren't doing a podcast we'd be sitting there talking to each other every day like we always I know. do i know texting so um i i love the fact that somebody is taking this concept of hey this movie nobody talks about or just totally tanked and i love it and can you guys talk about it so um no my favorite thing is talking with you brad just like you know my other favorite thing is how you call me charlie all the time I know. not all the time <laughs> just yeah i know um and just a couple of shout outs. So it was, uh, I, I think I posted it on social media. One of, one of the things that I like to watch are the, uh, the horror hosts and stuff um, on Roku and Amazon Prime. And we got a fantastic shout out from our friends over at Housewife of Horror that you can find on the Suburban Screams um, network. So download that on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick. Um, also, a couple friends over at... Um, is it VHS files? That's correct. Yes. Make sure on you their, listen on the Conan, uh, the barbarian episode, which is, I mean, so that was a fun episode. I got it. Not tell only you, is the, the show really good. I mean, they, they gave us a shout out, but the, I listen now I'm a listener to their show. Um, it's actually really good. So it's, it's nice to suggest something that doesn't suck. Um, but yeah, the VHS files gave us a nice little shout out. Uh, Joe, will be coming onto our show at some point in time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we'll, we'll have a nice little crossover with that. Again, you and I, I mean, there's 850,000, like that's not an exaggeration. There's 850,000 podcasts available to people. You know, we are in the small niche of movies, but you know, so let's say there's 50,000 movie podcasts. Oh yeah. At least the only thing we can do is try to expand our audience as organically as we can, you know, we're not going to whore ourselves out or anything like that, but you know, we want to try to grow our audience. Um, so, you know, working with other podcasts to try to do the same thing is, is important. Um, and when it's a good product on both ends, hopefully, you know, Joe thinks our podcast is good. So, you know, it's, it's beneficial to both of us. So, uh, we'll be working together with them some, um, yeah. which is nice. Well, and we're, we're only going to recommend stuff that we like. I mean, I, I'll be the first to tell you housewife horror. I've, I've been watching for a while. I, I like that show. It's something my daughter and I watch, um, VHS files. I, I think Conan, the barbarian is their best episode. It made, it made me want to go back and watch Conan. Um, so I'm going to do that this week. I know it almost made me want to go back and watch destroyer too. Yeah. I was like, wait, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go back definitely. And, and then even, uh, the one that is on our website that we host, uh, friends with Cinefits. Alex just did an episode on Midsummer, um, so you're, you're going to like this, Brad, only because it's a way to get back at Alex, maybe. Um, Midsummer is Alex's favorite movie of all time, uh, and I don't know if you've listened to the episode yet. It was fantastic to hear him talk about it, and I yeah, love... Yeah, him, him and Kane. Yeah, I love the fact that he loves that film so much, and I've learned a lot about that movie. Uh, I haven't seen the director's cut, only saw the theatrical, and I, I really love listening to somebody's passion about their film but alex i'm talking to you specifically that movie's just okay dude i don't know how it's <laughs> scream puts that thing to shame 
Yeah, so, heredity. I think heredity is better too. Yeah. So sorry, Alex. Um, since you dissed on Scream, we're gonna have to diss on Midsummer and say if I were rating it a one, two, or three, I would give Midsummer I think a two. Yeah. Um, that, that's fair, right? Yeah. Yeah, and that's and that's not in spite of your comments on Scream. That's just my opinion of Midsummer. Go watch Hereditary versus Midsummer. <laughs> I agree to that. Yes, hundred yeah. percent. Um, no, we love Alex and he was on for our ready to rumble. We're going to have him back again, um, here real soon. But, uh, Hey folks, again, reach out. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any comments, uh, just do what Brad said, send them our way. We'd love to read them on the show. And we'd also love to, you know, talk about the movies that you pick as your favorite bombs. Um, Oh, and we also don't ever mention, but we have a really cool logo that someone did for us. Um, if you want to check out our store page, go to our website and hit the merch tab. It'll take you to our store. Um, like our logo is really cool. And, you know, I, I'm wearing a hoodie right now with it on. And, you know, you have the shirt on, yeah. which is really lame. We're, we're like wearing the concert gear at the show we're seeing. I don't care. Anyway, I know. Um, but, yeah, so if you if you want to buy something from our store, go and check that out. Um, that helps, too. So Yeah, absolutely. I think it's funny. My family will only sporadically listen to the podcast, but they always want a t-shirt because they like the logo. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> All right. Anything else, Brad? That's it, man. Looking forward to Samurai Cop. Yes. That's going to be a doozy. That was, right. I never thought that'd be a sentence I would ever say, but here we go. Yeah, it's, it's going to be fun. Um, all right, folks. Hey, I uh, don't know if you're listening in the morning or the afternoon or the evening. I hope your day is going um, as planned and you're having an awesome week. We will talk to you next week. And if you're playing along next week, again, a Samurai Cop, please don't watch it alone. Watch it with some like-minded people that you can poke fun at it. And with that, I hope you have an awesome day. Thank you and have a nice day. Thank you.